Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 59 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about Parks and Recreation Season 5 on your And I Like You podcast. I'm Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. Before we get into the show, we wanted to remind everyone that we have a Patreon uh, where people can support this and have other shows that we do as Eloquent Gushing. So um, if you do want to help support us and you get access to extra content, outtakes, uh, advanced access for uh, Pop Culture Deprived for our, our top tier uh, patrons. So go to patreon.com slash Eloquent Gushing. Uh, there's lots more information and, and details there as well. Yes, go do that thing. And we love our patrons and they're amazing. So. So this week we're talking Parks and Rec Season 5. This aired uh, September 2012 through to May 2013. It focuses on Leslie's first year as a counsellor, her ongoing relationship with Ben, Ron's development as department leader alongside his new relationship, and having a quest to have a baby. We also saw Andy try and fail to become a police officer. Jerry retires. Chris gets more, um, into a more stable headspace. Um, and other characters have various things going on with them as well. So it's it's a packed season, this one. It really was. Mm. How how have you been able to watch it so far? Well, Netflix hasn't taken it away yet, so I am still plugging through nice. on Netflix, which is great. <laughs> um, how about you? Yeah, Amazon still have it, so um, I've been doing uh, watching a couple of episodes on my way home on the train when I've been in the office, and a couple that I watched just in the living room on Amazon on my Xbox. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all the devices for watching all of the streaming shows. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's what devices are for, right? Yeah. We don't have phones. We have miniature streaming devices. <laughs> what have you been your thoughts on season five? Have you enjoyed it? Oh, my gosh. I think this is the best season yet, honestly. Um, but it's only because of Leslie and Ben. Okay. Um, if if anybody listening had been following me on Twitter and is kind of watching what I was doing, then there were several occasions where my tweets consisted of all caps, Leslie and Ben, Leslie and Ben, Leslie and Ben. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious what, what I was loving this season. It was fantastic. Yeah. So we have almost four stages for their relationship, which is a lot over one season. We have them struggling a little bit as they're apart, although they're not struggling. They are just apart. It becomes a long distance relationship for a period. Um, he mm-hmm. then comes back and they get engaged. And then they have a wedding. Well, no, then they plan a wedding. Then they have a wedding. Right. And then the end of the season is him supporting her. And yeah, him and they're just married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to say the episode where they got engaged. Yeah. When he pulled out that box, it's I great. Yeah. literally started crying. Like, I didn't expect Parks and Rec to actually make me cry. <laughs> but I was like full out, like sobbing because i was so happy and just so touched and so excited and it was wonderful it it, it is so wonderfully dumb because her thing of no 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 no, stop talking i want to remember this so leslie no wait wait okay Okay. just i need to remember this sure give me a second okay Leslie, no, 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 hold on. Just, I need another second, please. I need to remember every little thing about how perfect my life is right now at this exact moment. Okay. (laughs) 
Are you good? Yeah. Okay. I'm good. Leslie, nope. Will you? Yes. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's way more self-aware than certainly Leslie normally gets, and I think any woman being or any person being proposed to gets. Well, I wouldn't know. I've never been proposed to, so. <laughs> You know the whole thing everyone says, like, oh, I, I can't remember it. I was speechless for 15 minutes, that kind of thing. Right, right. But she is, no, I want to make sure I remember this. And coming at the, like the moment that you liked from last time where she uh, voted for herself and took right. a moment to do that. This is this is a, a similar moment. It was, but this one was, it was nice because it was intended to make you laugh. Mm-hmm. And if they hadn't done that, I just would have been ugly baby crying for like <laughs> 10 solid minutes. And at least that broke it up and I got to laugh. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely done with intention mm. and it was, it was fantastic. And it just, it made my heart so happy. And Leslie and Ben are like my ultimate relationship goals. <laughs> It's just, it's so nice because television shows don't often let their main characters get together, stay together, and be happy. Yeah. You know, usually the drama comes from the relationships, will they or won't they, or Mm -hmm. on again and off again. And um, I was listening to um, our friend Lonnie Diane Rich. She was on the Hallowed Ground uh, Storycast last week talking about moonlighting. And one of the things they talked about there was how that show really got ruined after the two main characters got together and that has been a catalyst for so many television shows moving forward that they always look back and say if our main characters sleep together or they get together it's going to ruin the show so we can't do that Hmm. and i love that michael shore did that and he Mm -hmm. did it well and it did not impact the quality of the show at all and it just gives you a couple that you can look up to that you can enjoy their relationship with them and it just makes me happy like leslie and ben are the best thing about parks and rec to me and there are so many amazing things about parks and rec and i'm Mm -hmm. listening to myself gush about it and i'm thinking back to the first episode where we where i hated the pilot and i never thought i would be here but it's just so good yeah it's the the wonderful thing that I like about the relationship, the thing that really holds it, and, and like I used the word struggle earlier, and they don't struggle, they are just apart, but she still fancies him. She still makes comments about his butt, and like <laughs> wanting yeah. to make out with him, and, and he has the same for her. Mm-hmm. It's Obviously, it's her show, so it's written from her perspective, but it's, you never even get that. Like, once people are together... You might have a few jokes, but particularly once they're married, once they're in a proper, serious, long-term relationship, you don't have them having those feelings. They then they move the story elsewhere, but we just have throwaway lines of her like, hey, get to see your butt again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is one of the most well-done relationships I've ever seen on television. Mm. And it's amazing because this is the, the show where we also have Andy and April, which is a fantastically well-done relationship. Yes, it is. Absolutely. I think they're just so, so good for each other. And and they had some great character development and story arcs this season, too, mm. with Andy going through his depression after he didn't make it into the police academy and April mm-hmm. trying so hard to help him. And that's just a side of April that you don't get to see very often, although we saw it a lot more this season than we have in previous seasons. Yeah. 
And 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 while they're not quite the, the same level of relationship goals that I aspire to, like Leslie and Ben, I think the two of them, they just work mm. because they're weird and they're quirky and they're perfect for each other. Yeah. As characters, they're not as aspirational as Ben and Leslie are individually, but they do strive for a bit more and for a bit of growth as well. But the fact that they're not you've got to go to this meeting, you've got to do this thing, you've got to look the right way, you've got to, ah, they're just, they support each other in whatever they want to do. And if that's having a party, having pizza, dressing up as Leslie for a meeting, they will support (laughs) the other doing it. It's great. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things was in the the last episode when when April's telling Andy that she got accepted into vet school. Mm. And his response to her is, as I have... Okay, past the pregnant part, yeah, but right, his, right. his response is something like, as I have learned about you 20 seconds ago, this is your dream and you should do your dream. And yep. that's such a perfect Andy answer because he didn't know this about her and it's not surprising that he didn't know this about her. But as soon as he does, he supports her wholeheartedly yeah. and says, this is the thing that you should do. And she's the same way with him. His whole music thing, even though she flat out said this season she doesn't like his music she still pushes for him to do it and to be successful Absolutely. and yeah they're great this show does relationships so well even the yeah. bad ones it kind of does really well mm. it's, it's just it's good stuff it's good stuff so um yeah i want to get into some of the some of the plots and some of the characters a little bit more but one of the things i really noticed probably about halfway through the season was how i wasn't really laughing at it anymore like, I, I want to make sure that this is on record and understood. The show is beautifully written. It Some of the work it does is absolutely wonderful. And there are still moments that are incredibly funny and incredibly good and, and very clever. But a lot of the time, it's when it's trying to do humour, it's relying on character beats. And character beats that we've seen over four or five seasons now. And right. I found, I, I think because it's kind of the same joke done again... I'm going, I'm not laughing at it. I'm not responding in the way perhaps it wants to. And I think this is perhaps the shift of, I I think I've said before, I didn't enjoy the last season. That's where it might end up without this writing because it's the writing that is absolutely getting me through now. Okay. Some Some of the stories and some of this relationship stuff that's just, oh, it's so good and it's so engaging. But the show doesn't have to be funny for me to enjoy it, clearly. Yeah, I think this season was a shift from the previous seasons. Hmm. And, and not only did we not have a single arc, like last season was all about Leslie's campaign and getting hmm. Leslie elected. We didn't have that kind of arc this season. It was just, let's see what's happening in the lives of these people that we really enjoy. Yeah. And so we got a lot of like episodic individual moments. And I think that shift showed because like you said, there. It wasn't laugh out loud funny the way other seasons have been, mm-hmm. but it was still great to watch. It was still a really good story. And when there were moments that were laugh out loud funny, they were great. There just weren't as many of them as we were accustomed to from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the surprise at the stupidity of Andy or the um, lack of caring from April or some of the Jerry stuff, we've had it and we've seen it. So those moments now don't 
do anything for me particularly mm-hmm. because I've seen them so recently and been watching them with a bit more of a you know intense eye than perhaps I might normally right there are still bits that absolutely make me laugh so I don't want anyone to, to come and like oh Matthew hates it he thinks it's not funny it is <laughs> funny it's just I think I can see that they're doing the same jokes again sometimes and like we talked about on that very first pilot episode I, I'm not always here for characters doing the same thing again and again right so I think it, it feels more like they're focusing more on character development than comedy mm. which is just different and and that may be why they were relying on the same comedy because that just wasn't what they were doing when they were writing this season hmm. so uh you made a couple of predictions at the last episode i did uh, at the end of season four you said you thought leslie and ben would struggle but would make it work and i was correct I think you're right on that. Anne and Chris are going to dally about trying to be together, but probably won't. I was half correct. <laughs> <laughs> Since they worked kind of together by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, it's still weird, but they're definitely doing something together. <laughs> <laughs> when she makes a list of guys she knows that she might want to have a baby with, and Chris isn't on that list, it's like, okay, I think I can see where this is going. Right. And then suddenly Chris says, oh, yeah, my girlfriend. I I need to break up with her. Like, wait, you have a girlfriend? <laughs> Who was his so girlfriend? They... Was it Shauna? No, I, I think they don't say who his girlfriend is at that point. He just has a girlfriend. Perhaps there were deleted scenes somewhere of okay. him making reference to it. Or they tried to write it in, but that had to be cut. But it was, okay, that, that, it feels like they're trying to retcon why he wasn't on the list. But... Mm. If there's anyone on that show you're going to have a baby with, it's Rob Lowe. I'd have a baby uh, with Rob Lowe if I could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Adam Scott. Uh, you know, I, that's just me. Yeah. That's my preference. Either one would be fine. <laughs> um, and your other prediction was that Andy is going to flunk out of Police Academy because he's Andy. And I was super wrong because he didn't even make it into Police Academy because he's Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I found that quite interesting because I would have gone, yes, he's going to apply and he's going to struggle and it's going to have lots of hilarity, but it's going to be him becoming a police officer. I, I did not expect him not to, like, certainly not to get knocked down at the first hurdle. Right. But in general, not to make it. Yeah, I, honestly, it was a little disappointing the way they, they d- handled that, I think. Um, mm. Because honestly, Andy is stupid. But I don't think Andy's that stupid. You know, he's there at yeah. the police academy. I don't think he's going to say, of course I would let a child hold my gun because that was always a dream of mine. I just, I don't see that happening in real life. I mean, not that Parks and Rec is real life, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so I, I was a little disappointed. I think they kind of over Andy'd Andy there. And then to come mm-hmm. back and say that he's the only person in history who's ever gotten 100% on the written and that he's kind of a genius. Like, yeah. I don't know what they were going for there, but it, it just kind of didn't work for me. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Um, so I'm, I'm curious where Andy's going to go next season, um, especially since Ben has taken him under his wing a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and Andy is trying to grow up, I think, but he's still Andy. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where, where they're taking us with Andy. Yeah. I do like when he's introduced in the charity episode and he's just making comments about, oh, you know, if we weren't paying for that, we'd be fine. And hey, perhaps we could do this. Mm -hmm. And just a stream of consciousness stuff. 
It's actually like, yeah, that, that they're really good points. You are cutting through the bullcrap there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, although honestly, I don't buy that Ben wouldn't have come up with that himself. Yeah. That was a little too much of a stretch for me, but I get what yeah. they were doing, so it, it was fine. Okay. So the main main thing of the season is pretty much Leslie as counsellor mm-hmm. and nav- navigating being on the council. Uh, Councilman Jam is set up as her main opponent. <sighs> um, now, Councilman Jam, you remember I, I made a comment about someone's name appearing on a door or on a desk? I think it, it's in the Model UN episode okay. where they finally take the kids into the council chamber at the end. His name is on the desk. They already have established there was a councilman called Councilman Jam. Now, I don't know if they had the character or the actor or anything lined up. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, that's that's nice. Yeah, they, they paid a little bit of attention to, to something the prop department put in there. I like it. Now, I don't like Councilman Jam, but I like no. the, the attention to detail there. <laughs> He's pretty awful and not even in a funny way. It's just like, oh, this guy. I mean, I think that's what they're going for. And so he's definitely succeeding there. But he is just mm. awful. He's a really, really terrible human being. Yeah. I- I'm wondering if it's on purpose to write him being that awful. Like, like you say, what they're going for. But most other people, you can kind of see where they're coming from. When the show writes really strongly, it has a few caricatures. Um, but you could generally see like both sides. And it's about finding a compromise in between. But this is just someone who's awful, but she has to work with him because she has no other choice. Right. I found that a, a, a strange and interesting change from, like I say, how they've written some of the opponents in the past. I honestly just didn't pay that much attention because he turned me off every time he was on screen. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I found myself having thoughts like, I don't know that, that this would actually happen in a city council meeting. Like, I don't know that they would be this lax and and... You know, like the whole hiring the the director of the animal control. And he's like, mm. the, well, all of the city councilors are like, you know, we just take turns. Like, we don't do our work. We don't do our job. We just decide who we want to do it. And I'm like, I hope that's not how things actually work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just every time he was actually involved in something that was government business, it just left me feeling as if. I really hope that actual governments don't run that way, that there aren't city councils that have people like Councilman Jam on them because, I mean, he was sneaky and he was underhanded and he did not follow the rules. Oh, my God, I'm Leslie Nope. <laughs> yeah, he's a, a good opponent, but he's just so awful. It, it puts me off and makes it uh, hard to even want to talk about him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just really bad, but well, let's move on. Um, we we see the other council members as they're, they're fairly regular, and we see them again and again. You have Milton, the the very old, racist, sexist, generally a bit awful, but then Councilman Hauser, who has been in it since the beginning, basically, he there, there has been a running gag of her bumping into him in the men's toilet when she rushes in to speak to Chris or Ron. <laughs> right? Um, when she's riding riding around on Andy's back like he's a horse. And then she bumps into him and needs to have a conversation with him. And just generally, they've had that as a really nice running gag. But, but we actually now get to see him doing stuff. But they continue the joke of anytime she's doing something silly, like shouting at Jam, Hauser ends up there as well. Right. 
So a nice bit of continuity. But it was it was surprising that even Hauser there was saying, yeah, we just take it in turns to appoint whoever we want. Right. Like, ooh, bad. Yeah, I was just I was disappointed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's Parks and Rec and, and they elect city council members the same way they elect presidents. So who knows? Yeah, true. <laughs> they just do what they want. Yeah. Moving on from the uh, council, we start with Andy with, uh, sorry, no, Ben and April in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few funny lines there, a few funny moments. It's a bit random. It was. Um, I'm still not entirely sure what April's job was with Ben in D.C. other than drawing pictures of him and (laughs) blaming the pictures on the interns. Hmm. Um, Yeah, it was it was weird, I think, having April there. I mean, it was it was kind of nice because Ben and April bonded a little. Yep. Mm. Um, But it was just weird, I think. I think the the only one, the only story from all that that's really coming to mind is uh, where they decide to go and see. They go back, go back to Pawnee, and they end up sat in the car for some. Right. <laughs> that is very nice. That was very nice. And then the car ran out of gas, yes. and it was. Yeah, he he reads her his uh, Star Trek fan fiction. That, yes. Awesome. I actually made a note about that one. <laughs> Ben's continuing geekiness. Yeah, I love it. Because that's, yeah, it's just part of him. And every so often he trots it out or someone teases him for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's that's the way most of us are. <laughs> it is. It's, and it's really great that as we've gotten to know Ben more, it's come out more. You know, so at first mm. it was just little character moments where people were making fun of him because he was the new guy. But now that he's so integral to the cast and we're invested in him as a person, like we see it all the time. And I think that's. That's a mark of really great character development and character writing. Yeah. I- including his uh, eBay name bidding against them. <laughs> Was it Tor- Tor- Tyrion? Um, some it, it definitely had Tyrion Lannister yeah. in it. It was like tall Tyrion Lannister or something. Right, or yeah, as yeah. Anne called it. I just keep getting outbid by someone named Tall Tyrion Lannister. What kind of name is Tyrion anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Uh, so April, April spends a bit of time in, in Washington, D.C. And then, yeah, she has a nice, uh, not in the foreground, but a nice arc through the season. Um, with her trying to get the park developed, uh, working with uh, working with Leslie to try and get things through, to come up against Jam. She gets put up for the position and comes up with a good idea for what to do with the animal department, mm-hmm. animal control. Not the animal department. Yeah, animal control. <laughs> <laughs> department of animals. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just gradually her growing in her own confidence and just growing up a bit and taking things a little bit more seriously whilst, again, like all the other characters, keeping her main characteristics. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about her was her – she was self-aware enough to know that she couldn't get – things done the way that Leslie did without being like Leslie. And so she even went so far as to wearing Leslie's clothes so that she could emulate Leslie. And even the way she smiled, the way that she talked, I thought that was really great. And then she did eventually get to the point where she could do the job as herself. But she knew that in order to learn how to get things done, she needed to take a page out of Leslie's book. And I thought, I thought it was just lovely that she has grown so much from that 
creepy, crazy intern that I hated at first. Yeah. Yeah, of anyone, she probably has, certainly so far, the most growth going on. Oh, absolutely. The most change from where, where she started. And and even season one, she was getting more than Jerry and Donna. So Right. Um, but they've maintained a lot of those character moments and, and character characteristics. Wow. Say that five times so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the way that she <laughs> stares into the the camera sometimes when she does that kind of like deadpan look into the camera while she's being like so sarcastic, mm. but people are taking her seriously. I mean, she has maintained that all the way through, even though she's now essentially an adult and she's getting stuff done. She is still April. Yeah. It's great. It's just, it's, she's a great character. She's a very funny lover. <laughs> she is, I think, one of the things I come to the show for. Yeah, I remember um, in, in season one and two, you talking about how April was one of your favorites and I just did not get it. I did not understand. But now I do. Right. I, I totally get it now. Yeah. Honestly, there's not a character in the show, a main character in the show that I don't like. Mm. Right. Uh, from April, we move naturally to Andy, but I think we've had our Andy discussion. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, so I talked last episode about how Ron didn't really get much to do. He was quite often a supporting character for Mm -hmm. other people. He got a number of stories this time around and he arguably got some development. He did because Ron's in love. Ron and Diane sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. (laughs) <laughs> yes yes um so when lucy lawless showed up on my screen i was so excited and honestly i expected her to just be yeah. in that one episode i didn't expect to see her again and she kept coming up because her and ron are actually in the serious relationship now and, and ron's having to deal with kids and it's oh it's so wonderful to watch watching ron mm-hmm. let little girls dress him up like a princess and put makeup on him was one of the highlights of the season. <laughs> yeah. I like they've maintained his character of dealing with children or not quite knowing how to deal mm-hmm. with children. But um, But he's willing to because he loves Diane. Yeah. Just finding a way to do it. And then she's so good. Uh, Diane is so good because she's like, yeah, I, of course you tried. And they cut their hair because they're silly girls. Right. <laughs> like, and, it, and that is on the girls for having done that. So it's good. She's a very, very solid character. She is. And I definitely like her more than any of the Tammies <laughs> or anybody else that we've seen Ron date. I think yeah. she she is the perfect counterpoint for him because she's laid back, mm-hmm. but she understands who he is and lets him be himself. And and Ron doesn't get that very often. Yeah. And she does call him out and says, look, I, this is baggage I come with. I don't think she calls her own kids baggage. No, she, she said they're a package um, deal. <laughs> that's the one. Um, but yeah, she absolutely says this is this is what you have to take or leave. And he then steps up to do the thing. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, he also has a lot of development for uh, head of the department or running the department because the department is going through changes spurred on by Chris. Partially Chris meddling through the normal sitcom stuff like him putting them on the management training <laughs> is could have been an epi- episode or a story in any episode but there have been a few things with with chris making comments at him and giving him a talk about you need to run this department you need to actually do stuff sometimes right mm. good yeah sorry i don't have a lot to say about ron and chris because they weren't a okay. focal point for me do you want to talk about chris at all 
Chris had an interesting character arc this season. I love that they put him in therapy. And he mm. started, or I guess he stopped being so obsessive about his body and his health. And he learned to kind of roll with the punches in ways that he hadn't previously done. And he did it without sacrificing his Christmas. Yes. Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's still the one who, who runs into Anne in the hallway and says, Anne Perkins. But he's also the one who wants to mentor people and he can handle being around somebody who's sick now or who can handle something unexpectedly changing when he couldn't do that before. And and I thought mm. that was nice growth for him because now he's not just the same punchline that he had always been. Yeah, true. And and it, it is the character development of, okay, we've got this guy who loves being healthy, so let's change that and either throw lots of obstacles in his way and change him or have him change in a positive way. And this show is always doing the positive thing. <laughs> right. They also gave him a lot more to do with other characters. Previously, hmm. Chris was kind of isolated. I mean, yeah, he he dated Anne, but most of his stuff was supportive or yeah. just a, a one-liner joke. You know, we went to Chris when we wanted to laugh because his body's a microchip, you know, but this season we got him becoming invested in other people's lives. He wasn't just mm. the city manager anymore. He was their friend and he had relationships with everybody. I mean, he took Andy under his wing a little bit. He took Ron under his wing. You know, he wanted everybody to be successful to the point where he was the putt-putt caddy for Leslie at, at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and I don't think we would have seen that from him before. Hmm. Yeah, he's become slightly more interesting because of it. Yes, and it's nice to see slightly. him. When he was introduced, it was Chris and Ben. And Ben mm. got his own story because of Leslie, and Chris just kind of floundered a little bit. And now they've finally given us things to be interested in Chris with. And and it, so it was mm. nice when they did bring Chris and Ben back together for an episode, and we got kind of got to see them hanging out again. Um, but we've also fleshed both of them out apart from their introduction to us. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to um, uh, talk a bit about recurring gags because we've seen a couple this season, but particularly because that main Chris and Ben episode um, <laughs> has a lot at Jerry's Christmas party. They they go to the, in fact is that is it that episode is it Chris and Ben episode or am I just mixing them? Um, up? No, I think you're right. Yeah, because Ben is uh, surprised at what's going on and and the way they've moved on together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's that episode because um, Maleficent, whatever her what is her name, Millicent, comes back and <laughs> Ben is completely floored that Chris is okay with it, that he can handle it. Because he's yeah. expecting Chris to just melt down. And so once Ben starts to see how Chris has changed and he's unaware of it, I think that's what kind of prompts him to say, oh, we need to spend some time together. We haven't done this in a long time. Yes, absolutely. And they, they, so they end up going to the party together. And we have the whole thing of the gang outside the party because they've been laughing at Jerry. So the Jerry jokes have continued. Oh, absolutely. And we end up with that, that after he retires and no one notices him retiring, which is very nice. Oh, but it was sad. 
when he's going and, and Andy has a line like, I guess this is it. <laughs> Bye. See you tomorrow, Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I nice. like Leslie's line. She's looking at him like, and she goes, what the f- is happening right now? <laughs> and they had yeah. to beep her. It's like, okay. So we then have this, this episode at Jerry's at Christmas and they're throwing this lovely Christmas party. And we have the gag of, oh, his wife is beautiful, his children are beautiful, everyone's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Which is funny in and of itself, but then they start paying attention to it, and they have Ben as the person who's paying attention to it and questioning it and saying, wait, do we have an explanation <laughs> for this? Does she have some sort of, oh, I can't remember how he puts it, but a brain trauma right. or concussion or something. <laughs> and it just goes a bit too far for me. It, it really does move into mean. Where where it's always been very mean at Jerry, the joke is that he has this wonderful life and he's very smooth and actually a nice guy outside of work. He just can't hold it together mm-hmm. in work. But bringing everyone in and questioning it in that way, that's not where the joke should have been. It should have been just on Andy's completely different. And that's good enough. Yeah, I, I really liked. So in I think it was in that episode um, where Jerry retired, where we see him, mm. you know, like he catches the mug that, that Leslie dropped and and all of a sudden it clicks. Oh my gosh, he's a completely different person at home. And then I wish they had explored that a little bit more, but instead they Mm. fell back on that same, the same joke. You know, he showed Leslie the pictures of, of why he was so happy that he had the job because it, it meant he got to be with his family. And then Leslie's going back and she's talking to Ben about it. And Ben, of course, brings it up again like how did this happen was she a russian spy who needed to get married you know and yeah. he just kept it going even though we had re- just had this really really nice character moment and then they just kind mm-hmm. of pooped on it mm. and that was disappointing i i would have liked to see jerry's life explored a little bit more and let everybody see that he's not who they think he is yeah but who knows? We might get that later but, because apparently he's part-time in, in Parks and Rec again. Yeah. <laughs> Other recurring gags, we obviously had more Eagleton. And we had Eagleton playing pranks on Leslie, which is very nicely done. <laughs> I was mad, but be- it was because I thought that the architect was behind it rather right. than the people who worked for him. And so I was really disappointed because I was excited that he wanted to work together, that he wanted to rise above and... And like do this mm. thing together, and then that happened, and I was really upset. Um, but then he came back, and he's like, "No, I didn't know they did it, and I fired them." Blah blah blah, and, and so it worked out nicely. But it was it was frustrating. Yeah. Although I did like that that she came up and squirted whipped cream on his head. That is great because she just does it for so <laughs> long, and then they. Run. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, the other main recurring gag we saw was calzone. Which I've been looking forward to. The, the calzone that betrayed Ben. The calzones betrayed me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was brutal. Um, but it was hysterical. Mm. And, and I love his trying to convince everyone that it's not a calzone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, this is a calzone. It's just small. Yeah. What did he call it? A, a savory pastry? Savory, yeah, savory cheese and tomato parcel or something really random. It's a calzone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the great things that I noticed all the way through season five is the number of guest appearances we had. Mm-hmm. 
And there were some amazing guest appearances in this. Um, uh, actors who obviously wanted to come on or, or they got to come on. Uh, Patton Oswald got to come on and do his filibuster. Mm-hmm. We had Lucy Lawless in several episodes. Annabeth Gish, who was only in uh, the Ice Town episode, but she was very good, along with J.K. Sim- J.K. Simmons was in this. Jonathan Banks yes. appeared. I don't know who Jonathan mm. Banks is. He, I? I think, w- he was Ben's father. Isn't he in Breaking Bad? Oh, yes, yes. He is on Breaking Bad. I've yep. never watched Breaking Bad, so I don't know. Um, and Better Call Saul. Yes. He's in that too. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, so Jonathan Banks was in it as well. Jenny Slate had a number of episodes. <laughs> and she was excellent. But then in those Washington episodes, and, and even beyond that, Barbara Boxer, Olympia Snow, John McCain, Joe Biden, Newt Gingrich. They did very well for guest stars this season. They really did. I, Joe Biden was my favorite. Yeah. Um, although Newt Gingrich was funny too, because Gingrich, Gergich, that yeah. was a nice little gag. <laughs> Gingrich, Gergich, I wonder if we're related. I don't think so, Jerry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was, there were a lot of nice guest spots in this season. Hmm. Uh, we also had Mark Evan Jackson at the very end of the last episode, who we've seen on The Good Place as the, the leader of The Bad Place. Yes. The judges it. Yep. Um, he has also been in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He is one of the main characters' husbands. Okay. So he is a proper Michael Schur. He's in three of them together. Yeah. I feel like I saw him in something else recently as well. Maybe I'm thinking Parks and Rec. <laughs> Maybe. And he's he's clearly a, a friend of them all and has been in everything together. Oh, Kong Skull, Skull Island. That's what he was in. Oh, okay. Thank you, Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the guest appearances were very, very good. I was really surprised to see Patton Oswalt in it. Um, mm-hmm. For some reason, none of the other ones surprised me, but he did. Doesn't make sense. Okay. I don't know. But I was, I mean, and it was a fun episode. Yeah. Because he has done a lot of this sort of guest appearance. Mm-hmm. He had a few episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but he's appeared in Modern Family and a number of episodes of BoJack and all sorts. Yeah, he is just kind of all over the place. Yeah. In fact, he was in he was in an episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. He just, he just comes up everywhere. I think he's just a renowned comedian that people want to have on. That's fair. <laughs> I think you have a lot of favorite moments, but particularly about one or two characters. Um, every moment that Leslie and Ben were on screen together was my favorite. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where they're talking on the webcam and she's like, I need to talk to you. Look, I'm in an office. I can't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting weird. Because yeah. they fancy each other. It's wonderful. It is. It is. And yeah. they keep that always and it it's just so good i mean when i say relationship goals i mean relationship goals <laughs> um her wedding dress was amazing um and i love that Anne was able to pull it off um, because it was perfect for leslie um yeah. the fact that they decided to essentially elope and get married with just the parks and rec people was really really great mm. Um, because that's their, that's their chosen family. You know, those are the people that they spend all of their time with and not just at work. It's God, they do everything together. Yeah. 
In fact, yeah, you've just reminded me. I was talking to um, Caitlin from the Command of Her Own podcast about uh, Pacific Rim, that we'll be doing next week, in fact. And she talked about enjoying found family. I was doing, I, and that bit led me to do some reading about found family. Mm-hmm. It was described as the trope family of choice. Yes. It's like, oh, that's, that's a really nice expression. And that's exactly what you've just said. Mm-hmm. The family they chose to be with. It's lovely. It is lovely. And I mean, you mm. know, I'm a sucker for that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I really, really, really loved because this actually, like, I audibly squealed. Um, mm-hmm. The last shot of the season is yep. that famous Andy GIF that everybody always uses to yeah. show, like, shock and awe and surprise, where he yep. looks away to the camera and he just goes, <gasps> And his face gets so big. <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, so I like literally like pointed at the screen and squealed and was like, oh my God, partially because of what he was reacting to and because it was mm. that gif. <laughs> and it was amazing. It is a great moment. And then it's been used so often, but for the same sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just become a cultural reference point. It's wonderful. It was it was great because that episode was so well done. I legitimately thought it was April who was pregnant the whole episode. Like, part of me at first, I thought that the phone call was for her getting into vet school, which is what it actually was. But it was right after that that we started that whole pregnancy thing. And so my brain immediately went to, oh, my gosh, April's pregnant. And then for it to end up being Diane, oh, my gosh, I cannot wait until next season. Yeah, because they do two key things there. They set up that it's these women at Ron's cabin. I mean, there's almost no point for them to be at Ron's cabin specifically except to say this is separate from everywhere else. So it can only be these women right. who are on screen. We're telling you the women it can be. Oh, but it can't be April because she would have told me cross her off. So it's already getting you, okay, so it's got to be one of these and he's already crossing her out. So it's definitely April. Right. Yeah, it's, it's really good just to take you through those steps, but not even hint that there could be someone else except that it's Ron's cabin. Right. I mean, yeah, I finally genius. got there. Like at the very end, I did get there, but mm. it it took me the whole episode. Yeah, lovely. And and arguably it could have been any of them. Like Anne is trying to get pregnant. That's why I knew it wasn't Anne. <laughs> but also it like had they gone that route then fine. Um it could have been Donna because she's a smart woman who makes her own choices. It could have been Leslie because She's married, so it's kind of, in inverted commas, acceptable mm-hmm. on, on, you know, primetime TV. And who was the other one who was there? Oh. Mona Lisa. <laughs> who we haven't talked about yet. No. She's not my favorite thing. I honestly despised her. But I need okay. to talk about for a minute, how are Jenny Slate and Ben Schwartz not related? Because they have the like exact same face in the show. <laughs> Like, I legitimately wondered if they dressed Ben up as a girl for a little bit before. I mean, their voices are completely different and everything, but they look so much alike. It blows my Mm. mind. I I really like her as a character. Uh, Again, she's awful, but you're meant to think she's awful because she's so spoiled and everything. Right. Whereas Jam, I I feel like we're meant to see his point of view, but can't. Oh, okay. Maybe. Hmm. I mean, I just didn't like her because she was awful. I mean, she she played the yeah. role really well, and, and she did what she was supposed to do. We just know I don't often like awful people. Hmm. But now uh, now we have Jenny Slate on. She's another Michael Schur crossover because she had a part for a while in Parks and Rec. And she was very good. 
and you've reminded me that, of course, this season we've had a couple of people that have also been on other shows, That, but this is where they come into Parks and Rec. So the lady serving the drinks at the golf, the mini golf, is in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay. Or, or, or has been in a couple of episodes, I think, as like an assistant. And she's also becoming a ma- more major character in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So a number of crossovers coming there. Is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend a Michael Shore show? It's it's not, but there's just enough crossovers that I'm... They're not on the same channel. I don't... Oh, you're right. Yeah, these Michael Shore shows are on NBC, so... Yeah. Okay. And I will admit, I've now seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine season four, and they've just started season five over there, I think. But uh, I had an episode with Jim O'Hare, Jerry, in it oh. as a bumbling and very homophobic cop. Oh, okay. <laughs> they they escape from him by kissing and shocking him so that he locks himself in a jail. Ugh. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> they use his homophobia against him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have done nothing but gush about Parks and Rec season five. So will you please tell us what your favorite moments were from this season? Um, there are a lot of favorite moments again, because some of the writing, some of the stories they do are just, I really like them. Not necessarily in a, they're so funny, but just they're doing a lot of very good work. The bachelor parties. So like any of those bachelor parties they have, even Tom's, I I would have enjoyed. They look like good fun. They did. Whether it's hanging out at home with your friends and playing games or going out for a great steak or going at well, obviously going and playing on the football field, um, but they all looked like a very solid good time, and and it's the guys bonding without it having to be oh we're going to go to a strip club we're going to go and do you know paintballing and the the usual stuff they just have a nice time doing each of their favorite things. Yeah, I loved that Ben wanted his bachelor party to be playing Settlers of Catan. That was yeah. That made me laugh, and I was thinking, this is the best bachelor party ever. And then <laughs> we just got bachelor parties for everybody because Chris is pretty awesome and and very mm. thoughtful in ways that he wasn't thoughtful in past seasons. And, and it just it really yeah. worked. Yeah, it, it's a lovely episode. And obviously countered with everything going wrong for <laughs> Leslie's and having to deal with an actual issue. <laughs> So the guys can just have a nice time. We don't have to have any conflict in there. We just have to laugh and enjoy each movement of that story. Right. And almost in a similar way, but with huge amounts of conflict, is the Ron and Diane episode. So I've already talked about the Christmas party aspect of it, but the actual Ron and Diane at the Woodworkers Awards. Like, it's great in and of itself that there's awards for these things (laughs) in a small town. Yeah, there's a lot of woodworkers there, frankly. I I love Megan Mullally still. She's fantastic and she's so good in that where she's in front of him as he's trying to give the speech and being as unsubtle as Thank ever. Thank you. When she did that. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, yeah. in the middle of his speech. He's looking at her and he's like, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then her, her and Leslie in the car in the dumpster. <laughs> it's so silly, so funny. and But I love the... Diane worrying about Ron and Leslie and saying, look, there is something slightly strange about this relationship that does worry me a bit. Because, yeah, you can understand how someone would Mm -hmm. be. And they then take the time to talk to her and and get to a comfortable position on it. Yeah, I really appreciated that she did that, that that Diane took the Mm. time to talk to Leslie and to talk to Ron about it instead of letting it fester and turn into a potential conflict later on down the road. Yeah, And, And that's not something that you see very often on television. 
No, absolutely. Like I say, this is the usual thing. If there's someone in opposition to our, our heroes, our stars, you understand their viewpoint. And it's about finding compromise and making everyone understand. But the moment where they talk about the woodworkers we lost and the coffins they designed. That's <laughs> <laughs> lovely. I thought right. you would appreciate that. They knew their time was coming, so they started their final masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to design your own coffin one day, Matthew? Uh, yes. A small wooden box. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That has holes in it because I'm not that good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a breadcrumb trail, but ooh. <laughs> Uh, I liked uh, the constant thing about Red Vines or Twizzlers in the episode with, with Ben's parents. Mm-hmm. And then talking about being a, a Red Vine family or a Twizzler family. Because mm-hmm. that's the sort of, uh, petty is not quite the right, right word, but the sort of small thing that, yeah, it is important. It's, it's a family trait and a thing you share. Like, you know, you grow up with it, so you become accustomed mm-hmm. to it. It's very honest, but it's used in a very funny way. It is. Um, and, and also, I have no dog in that fight because I don't like red vines or Twizzlers. Okay. Are, are red vines the ones that have the kind of sugary stuff in the middle? They're basically laces. And Twizzlers I are just the chewy bit, I think. think so? I'm not okay. sure. Okay. Me neither. We have strawberry laces over here. And that's what I would go for. And I think that's like a red vine, maybe? <laughs> See, I thought red vines were the same thing as Twizzlers. They were just different brands. Oh, it's entirely possible. Uh, admittedly, I... Eat chocolate when I can. So, right. I don't intend to go for candy. Candy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about April's um, growing up and taking on more things, but the, the very short scene between her and Leslie, where she's giving the presentation about the dog park, mm-hmm. and just she she gives what is a very earnest earnest presentation. You go, oh, that was really good. And then Leslie starts going. Can you say per capita again? I want to take a picture of you saying per capita. I am so proud of you. Now stand next to the screen and think about all the strong female role models in your life. Gross. Aww. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Leslie and April's relationship was really nice this season. Mm -hmm. Even, again, they had a bit of opposition in there about the park. Mm -hmm. Um, But they came to a nice nice, uh, point together on it and, and decided to work and do something. Well, yeah, because they had to oppose jam. <laughs> yeah. And there were finally, I, I talked at the beginning about how this, the show does not make me laugh as much as it used to. I, mm-hmm. I don't find it as funny because it sometimes calls on things it's done before. But there were two moments in this season that had me in fits of hysterics. Um, okay. The, the first is Leslie's two sides of the Eagleton and Pawnee sign, which says this is the Eagleton side. This is the Pawnee side. So obviously on the Eagleton side, you can see Eagleton behind her and it's rolling green hills and picket fences and it's beautiful and it's a lovely, you are now entering Eagleton. Welcome. We love you. Ah, you know, mm-hmm. have a bag of money. And then she turns <laughs> around and it's a highway bridge that looks like it's going to have drug addicts under it. And it says, you're now entering Pawnee. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's clearly two, like probably two different days they filmed it on, all of this kind of thing. But it's just, it's so good. Yeah, to show quite how different they are on either side of it. I mm-hmm. th- I, I will uh, I'll I'll do a collage with both photos or, or screen grabs and post it on Instagram for everyone. Cause it's it's wonderful. <laughs> and again, it's a couple of seconds, maybe, but it's worth it because it's a great gag. Yeah, yeah. Some sometimes I'm in awe of how far a sitcom will go just for one joke. 
and, and the effort they will do. And I'm reminded of Scrubs that used to have five, ten second jokes, but clearly had new props and new sets created for them. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do for good comedy, man. Absolutely. And then finally, where they decide to get married, and they're standing back to back, they're not allowed to see each other. And it's the evening of the party. And he says, Before we get married, there is something we need to discuss. I mean, we've never talked about it, but... And I'm expecting it to be the kids' conversation or something. Right. And he says to her, I really want you to take my last name. Oh. Uh, Oh. Okay. Really? Yeah, it's just really important to me symbolically that Leslie Nope disappears and becomes Leslie Wyatt. Or Councilwoman Mrs. Ben Wyatt. That's fine, too. It's a deal breaker. Wait, are you messing with me? Yeah, sorry, I had to give it a shot. Now go, Okay, okay, wait, where do I go? Run! (laughs) My jaw was on the ground during this conversation. And they keep it going, not just for her, but for the audience Mm -hmm. for a few beats longer than perhaps is necessary. Yep. And then she realizes and we realize it's like, okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, once I realized so that, that when she called him, oh, you're just messing with me. I was like, oh, my God, thank yeah. God. Because <laughs> it, it comes from nowhere. Yeah. Like, it's not the sort of joke he does. He doesn't rib people in that way. But it's also perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it was good. Mm. Okay, so we have been gushing for a really, really long time. Is there anything else that we need to discuss about season five? Uh, season five, probably not, unless you want to talk about Leslie and Ben again. Leslie and Ben are my favorite. <laughs> Although, you know what we didn't actually talk about? There was something that I meant to bring up, and I wanted mm. to get your opinion on it. Um, so a- when Anne decides to have the baby and she starts looking for sperm donors so that she can have a baby, she wants to be a single mom. Mm. When she asks Chris to do it, Chris immediately assumes that he would be a part of the child's life, that he would be raising this child with her. And I just thought that was a weird beat, even though, I mean, that that's kind of where they end up because they decide to get together and try to give this child a two-parent family. But that's not what she was looking for, and they never had a conversation about it. It was just an assumption that was made. And that kind of bothered me a little bit. I think I agree that there is a, a, a short period where I think my headcanon ends up being... Oh, if he's involved, great. But if he wasn't involved, that's fine. Mm-hmm. And because he's he's willing to be involved, then great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it does feel like perhaps there should have been a conversation. And again, perhaps there was and it got cut. Right. The timing. But yeah, he does end up with a step. Because certainly when he starts struggling with the decision, his, his initial thoughts are about to have the child or not. And I, I couldn't quite see where his issue might be. But then it becomes very much about him wanting to be there for the child and not sure whether he can be or not maybe yeah yeah i agree with you yeah because when when he tells her yes part of his reason is yes i want to raise a child and so Mm. my expectation right then was for Anne to say that's not what i meant we need to have a conversation about this and she just went with it and all of a sudden they've gotten back together and they're gonna have a baby like it, Mm -hmm. it was just a weird yeah I'm not sure weird, but yes, there is definitely a a conversation missing, something in there that needs to just move the story on a bit and, and make us feel like we, we've ticked all the points for it. Right. Hmm. But okay, so that's our conversation on season five. Season six, predictions. Where where did we end up? 
Oh my gosh, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, uh, are, are you better off now than you were a year ago? Yes. That's the big question in the last episode. Yes, and so is every dang person in that town. I was irritated about that. So I guess we're going to have to deal with that. They're going to try to recall Leslie, and we're, we're going to deal with the, the fallout of that. Um, I don't think they're mm. going to be successful. I hope they're not successful. It, it's an interesting indictment of uh, kind of the way politics has gone in the States. So the people who feel they are losing out in these changes, which are about fairness and people being healthier and being treated better. Mm-hmm. But the people who feel they have lost as part of that are now pushing back at her. And I wonder if it might have been not necessarily written differently, but would they have pushed it even further had they been writing it now? Mm, maybe. I don't know. Okay. So uh, that's Leslie, Ron and Diane. Obviously, you had oh. a little bit of a cliffhanger there. Yeah. So I think, okay, so this is going to be strange and, and just kind of stay with me for a minute. And I don't know why I think this, mm-hmm. but I do. I think that Diane is coming to tell Ron that she's pregnant and they're going to decide to have this baby, blah, blah, blah. And then they're actually going to find out that she's not pregnant. But I think Anne and Chris are going to get pregnant and they're going to have a baby. Okay. I don't know why that's what I think, but that's what I think. Okay. Uh, April is going off to veterinary school. She is going off to vet school. And I think she's going to continue to work at least part-time in the parks department while she's doing vet school. I I don't know to what end. I I don't know if she's going to actually eventually become a vet or if she's going to decide that she really just wants to stay at City Hall. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have no idea where Andy's going. I think Andy, they're trying to grow him up a little bit. I think he will continue to work with Ben at the charity and, and maybe start making some good decisions and, and having a little bit of wisdom, but I'm not going to hold my breath for it. Okay. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I the season was just so good that I, I feel like it can't be any better. And so I'm a little bit worried about next season. Mm. No, I actually, I, I do have one more question uh, about season five. Go on. Why is Retta not in the actual main credits? Is she not? No, she always comes up um, after the theme song when they've already done like Amy Poehler and Rashida Jones and Rob Lowe, they've done all of them. And then as the show starts, they've still got people's names kind of flashing on the bottom of the screen. That's where she is. Mm. Um, and I, I never noticed any of the other ones. I imagine Jerry's probably there too, but she is a core member of the cast. And so I don't, it, it frustrates me that, that she doesn't get the same level of billing as, you know, Aubrey Plaza or Adam Scott. I mean, she's not in it much at all. I think she's in every episode, but not really. And I would imagine she's on a different contract then. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. All right. That was just, yeah, I remembered that that was a thing that that stood out to me this season. Yeah. She had a couple of nice moments, like her in the cigar (laughs) bar. Gentleman. (laughs) Gentleman. Yeah. And a couple of moments like that, but by and large, I can't really think of much she did. Yeah, I guess you're right. She she didn't have any arcs of her own. She was just mm. there. But I really like Donna. Yeah, but, you know, can't all be winners, I guess. <laughs> uh, in fact, to the extent, I've just jumped on the Parks and Rec wiki. It has a paragraph for each season about what she does in that season. Uh, except season five. There's no comment about what she does in that season. Fair enough. 
because she don't do nothing. <laughs> you are right. You are absolutely right. She really doesn't. She's mm. just there. Um, but I, don't know, I like her. Oh, does doesn't she have a line about having a uh, an apartment in Seattle? Condo. Because she likes the rain. Yep. Condo. Yeah, that's it. I like my rain. I like my coffee. I like the fish markets. Yep. And she's not pregnant Wonderful because city. she's smart and knows what she's doing. Yeah. So I mean, so we got a few little little moments with her, but she didn't have yeah a story of her own. Okay. Are we good on season five for your discussions? Yes. We heard from a couple of people for these. Uh, we've already gushed about Lucy Lawless. Uh, Agent Austin 09 says Ron Diane are cute. Lucy Lawless is amazing in everything she does. Yes. Wholeheartedly yeah, agree. agree. Yeah. What, what wasn't she in an episode of Agents of Shield? Yes. Or like two episodes. I think it was just and one. didn't continue. It's like it was just one. Yeah, she would have been perfect in that show. Yes, I was very upset with mm. the outcome of that. Uh, she also said she loves the episode where Ron tries to get Tom away from his technology addiction. It's funny and makes a point. Also, the soda tax episode line about child sized soda is one of my favorite laughing out loud moments. Yes, that was in the the first episode of the season. <laughs> mm, soda tax, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I I noticed it too. It. It made me laugh. Yeah, the whole the whole thing with Tom trying to be away from technology. And, and Ron is teaching him a good lesson and doing it very well because Ron is like, just say what you would normally do. Just get it out of your system and it goes on for the whole mm-hmm. day. Until Ron's finally like, just stop. <laughs> um, I think part of that was a little too over the top. Like he tried to, he drew an iPhone to kind of take the place. And, <laughs> yeah. and he had like a poster board that was supposed to be his homemade Pinterest and he couldn't touch them and open them. You know, things like that were just a little bit too over the top, but I did appreciate what they were trying to say. Um, and mm. it was it was nice that we finally got Tom and Ron paired together for longer than just a few minutes. Yeah. I, I did like looking in the mirror at Jerry on the computer. Like, Jerry, you go to ask, ask Jeeves. And you type in, please take me to Yahoo. And then you go to Yahoo <laughs> and says, say, please take me to my Google Mail. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like it. Because I know people who do some of the things. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not naming any names or anything. <laughs> Anna-MCG also uh, made a comment about my, my West Wing discussion from last time. That the live ammo quote isn't in the pilot or even season one. I, I thought it was said to Mandy by Josh. I'm, I was sure there was a thing. It's actually uh, from season two. It's in an exchange between Sam and Ainsley. Okay. And yeah, she is absolutely yeah. dead right. Um, Ainsley, you know, population two in Mandyville. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Mandyville's an actual West Wing thing. I'm not just like making up a town where Mandy lives in case anyone's not aware. <laughs> well, just uh, there might be people listening going, why is Matthew naming a town after Mandy? Well, I assume that anybody who's watched West Wing would know what Mandyville is. Mm. But I could be wrong. But you'd have a city named after you anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> Spelled wrong, so it's not mine. All right, well, if you want to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. 
Don't forget to go check out our Patreon page. Uh, we are 100% funded by our listeners. So go to patreon.com slash eloquentgushing to check it out. And go to our homepage, eloquentgushing.com. We have a newsletter you can subscribe to for the latest news and announcements and a number of other shows to check out. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about Pacific Rim. Until next time, I'm Andy Kay. And I don't even have time to tell you how wrong you are. Actually, it's going to bug me if I don't. The Lannisters, while very wealthy, do not possess the magical abilities of, say, the Warlocks of Khan, for example. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at eloquentgushing.